Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxton and with me, as always, is Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Jamie. Uh, listeners, you might not know this, but this is our second take <sighs> of doing this because the first time round, Jamie didn't say, say hello, Al. Uh, and I found that cruel and unusual, so we've started again to get that right properly. <laughs> But you didn't even do the joke. Oh my god, hello Al. I am so sorry to myself. Um, you said hello, Jamie. You hello, didn't even do hello the joke. To me. Oh my god, this oh, is this is a disaster. What a world we live in. This is a disaster. You know what, Jamie? This is why I uh, was never in any improv comedy troupe. <laughs> uh, and that's because when put on the spot, I crumble like an ill-built house. <laughs> I feel like this whole opening section is going to make no sense to anyone listening. Anyway, um, as I was saying, this show is a show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. The slightly more complicated uh, concept is that aliens have invaded and decided that we need to prove our worth to them to join the United States of Space, and we are doing that by showing them the works of our greatest human, which we have decided is Tom Hanks. But, obviously, we're not going to show them all of his 89 credits on IMDb. That would just be... Farly unreasonable. Farly? That's not a word. Far Farley too unreasonable. Far too unreasonable for anyone to be expected to watch every single one of his credits. So we're watching every single one of his credits and deciding which ones are worthy to show to the aliens, hence creating the Hanks Bank. That was arguably worse than I described it in our first take, and that wasn't great either. That's true. Somehow I think the magic was lost when I wasn't speaking. Um, <laughs> so maybe we should go back a third time to the entire episode of the podcast just you monologuing, and I can make gestures that the audience can't see, and maybe you can interpret them. Great. Um, Jamie, before oh. we start anything about today's okay. podcast, um, I need to make an apology. Okay. I hope that's so, okay should we, with you. we create a more somber mood? Sure. Okay. Um, Jamie, if you could... Play some organ music, or, or just from, with your mouth, your mouth organ. What does an organ sound? Oh. <laughs> that sounds more like a no, ship. That's, that's... that's a ship leaving harbour. <laughs> <laughs> um, in honour of this being Happy Days, uh, which main character, of course, well, at this point at least, is Arthur Fonzarelli. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be retiring, retiring my. Uh, Italian-American accent. Ah, gone. God. <laughs> are the days of Dan Scarvino. Well, that's gone. Don Scardino! Don you don't even Dan. know his name! All I know is that oh. he was an icon, and that will be put to rest. I apologise to the people of Italian-America. <laughs> it's not a place. Uh, Jamie, if there's a place called Latin America, there's a place called Italian-America. It is the same place. <laughs> the... Where does Latin come from? <laughs> Think about it for a second, Jamie. Uh, fortunately, we can see our podcast stats, and we haven't had any downloads in South America yet, so we're not offending anyone. That's entirely true. Uh, um, but regardless, I apologise for my accent. It was an appalling impression of Don Scarvino, and it was Don, Don-, Don Scardino. It's oh. a D. I literally just said it. Um, oh, you are not doing a I'm good tired. a good effort of apologising to Don Scardino. I, 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 no, sorry, Jamie, I want to 
I want to get serious here for a second, people. Um, I am not apologizing to Daniel Scarvino, okay? Uh, he might be a great actor. I don't know. I'm sure he's a good director. I remember that fact about him. He's directed episodes of Two Broke Girls. Yes, well show. done. Um, but really, as they say, imitation is the serious form of flattery. Uh, but because I, you don't have that accent, I, I guess I wasn't imitating you, so I wasn't trying to flatter you either. So there's nothing to apologise for to him, but to the community as a whole, I am sorry, we'll kill this accent. I will find some other uh, posh British people. Instead, when I want to do an accent, I will go more posh than currently. I will become like, oh, hello, yes, um, I am Arthur Fonzarelli, and I, I live in happy days, and this is, <sighs> am I a stereotype of a greaser? Maybe! Well, but we'll do this instead, Jamie, because this is the people that I am allowed to make fun of. My own people. So I would like to say, before we um, started recording, you said that you uh, were going to write a, an apology letter. That's true. If that was what you wrote down, word for word. Jamie, there are two things. One, you then went, well, you're not doing it while watching Happy Days. Yeah, so true. I learnt my lesson and didn't write one. Except in my mind, it was a mind letter which I sent to myself and I opened and read along with you. That's why I stumbled a few times. I looked down. I was like, what's that word? Oh, it's Scarvino. How am I meant to say that word out loud? I don't know. Oh, I feel like I'm going insane. I mean, you probably are going insane <laughs> in some ways. Um, um, right, let's let's get on to what this show actually normally is. Uh, sure. After we've got our witty banter out the way up top. Uh, as always, we uh, give a little bit of historical context to this show and then a little bit of context for the show itself. Uh, I have been given the uh, unenviable task of uh, doing the historical context for this show. Now, anyone who has listened to uh, this uh, podcast before and i hope you have if you haven't go back and listen we've got some great episodes uh this has been a a troublesome uh topic so far the historical context firstly uh we just do way too much in one episode and then find out in the next episode that something came out in the exact same year and we've already covered that entire year that is a problem we've also found that there have been many historical inaccuracies in some of our research so i'm hoping by narrowing the scope and really doing my research, this is going to be our best historical context section yet. Ooh, bold claim. Unfortunately, not a lot happened in November 1982. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, I, what I will lack in detail and, and broad scope, I will make up for in passion. So, on November 1st of 1982, Alexander, Honda became the first Asian automobile company to produce cars in the United States with the opening of their factory in Maryville, Ohio. The Honda Accord was the first car produced there. Isn't that a nice piece of Americana history? How do you pronounce Honda? Honda. Oh, okay. I thought you said, like, Honda. I was like, that's weird. No, Honda Accord. You may have just Honda heard... Honda Accord. Yeah, well, Honda that's... Accord. They could have lips. <laughs> they just threw together. lighted those right. sounds to Honda Accord. Yes. Um, on November 7th of, of this 1982... We should clarify that this uh, came out November 9th, uh, 1982. Uh, was, Who was uh, the that. president? Uh, Ronald Reagan, I believe, considering I did that research for the last episode. <laughs> I don't have it down here, but... Um, on November 7th, Turkey adopted a constitution. Now, isn't that some interesting historical facts, Alexander? Um, it depends on what the constitution said and whether <laughs> Erdogan has kept that alive and well today. It's well, I, I felt like that's an unnecessary delving into politi 
politics that was needed. So let's just move on. I remember ninth, the very day that this episode came out, Sugar Ray Leonard retired for the first time. Now, I don't know how many times he did retire, but I think this is important historical context for when you're watching this show, people are mourning the loss of... Sh you're not even... Look at me, Al! No one can see... I need to be clear to them. While I've been doing this, Al has been looking straight down, not engaging with me at all. I understand that that might be confusing for you, but as an audio medium... That's why I needed to explain... I needed to explain it's to audience so members unimportant. the rudeness that is happening right now. So yes, Sugar Ray Leonard indeed retired on this day. On November 20th, SNL... Who was Sugar Ray Leonard? Tell me more about him. Oh, good question. I'd be interested to learn, was he a musician? Was he a baseball player? Did he, I don't know, make pizzas? I believe he was a musician. Sure, what kind of music? Oh... I feel like I could take a guess, but I wouldn't want to be wrong and appear very insensitive. So I'm not going to. I'm going to move on to November 20th, when SNL had its youngest ever host. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but how young do... I am going to eventually tell you. Sure, but, this, this... But I feel like it would... It would, it would give away... No, I do know. It would just give away the next question. How old do you think this person was? The um, youngest ever SNL host. 32. Well, thank you for wildly overguessing so that it sounds more impressive. Seven. Seven years old, Drew Barrymore hosted SNL what? at age seven. She'd okay. just been in E.T. at there the time. Go. Oh, that's the But I have not watched this episode, but I have seen seven-year-olds. I don't reckon they're that good at sketch comedy, to be honest, Al. I think that was probably a weak episode. I think, well, no, conversely, I'd say in the 80s, or really any time before 2000s, I guess, um, the quality of people on SNL might have been enough to actually boy having a seven-year-old hosting. So you just got, the, same, the host just had to go out, do a monologue, and then be in some of the sketches. So if you have a strong enough cast... I mean, really do matter. you trust a seven-year-old to be in some of these sketches? I mean, yeah. I, could, I don't know if I could read at seven. All I know is... Eddie, I don't know if I can read now. Point, I think Eddie Murphy was on an SNL. He was. And I think Eddie Murphy and a seven-year-old when he was like 80s Eddie Murphy comedy would be perfect. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. That's what In I the 80s, see. maybe not now. Um, there was one US nuclear test in November 1982. Where? There was two... I Well, this is, uh, this, this is clearly... Um, fine. <laughs> Jamie, I hate to say it, but you're flying by the seat of your pants. And every time I ask a question here, you've got nothing to say. You want to know why? It's because you're reading off a piece of paper. I am How are you meant to Google the next thing off a piece of paper? Huh? Oh, all the world on one. It's not even a book. It's not even like you went to the library and you got out of the book on November 7th. <laughs> Well, see, see what, what you're doing, Al, is you, you're asking me questions. Yes. And that would expect that I'm not giving you everything I have. <laughs> I am not leaving out any information that I'm telling you everything I have on anything you ask me. I am not going to be able to answer because this is all I have. Now, as I said, there was one <laughs> nuclear test in November 1980 from the US. There were two from the USSR. In November, on November 30th, the greatest selling of all, album of all time, and now, yeah, a little bit more questionable to bring up, Thriller was uh, released. 
by Michael Jackson. Oh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. yes. You, you, I was wondering whether you were going into a trance-like depression over the more recent um, revelations or, you know, things we knew oh, about no. forever about Michael Jackson. Let me finish my point. Or if you just didn't know that the album Thriller was Michael Jackson's album. Clearly it was the latter. Now you had a point, Al. Uh, yes. So, one, thank you for assuming that I was a moron. Um, that's <laughs> much appreciated. And two, um, on the depression thing, I... I never had much of an attachment to Michael Jackson ever because my first memory really of his music was of a friend's mum telling me he was a paedophile. Um, so after that, I was like, well, I don't want to listen to a paedophile's music. Let's get something else. Uh, and other than every day on my commutes uh, to the office for any of our American friends at the moment in the UK after the documentary, uh, Forgetting Neverland, Finding Neverland? Uh, well, something about Neverland. <laughs> um <laughs> That would have been a better title. There were massive protests outside the Channel 4 office. That was the uh, network on which it was shown in the UK. And people bought bus ads, which basically suggested that, or claimed, uh, that Michael Jackson was innocent. And to those people, I will say, um, if you want to defend a paedophile so much that you are going to spend money to put up a poster on a bus, which I will see every day, and thousands of people will see every day, maybe you need to go see a therapist and not invest so much of your self-worth and your ideas in the world in someone who turns out to be a paedophile. People will betray you, Jamie, and you shouldn't trust anyone. No art is good. Artists are bad. We should live in caves, and that's the end. Stop listening to this podcast. I'm not saying Jamie's <laughs> a paedophile. Please don't tell people to stop listening to this podcast. Don't stop listening to this podcast. Right, let me re- let me go back. Uh, we are the only podcast that will never betray you. Everything else will turn out that they're made by terrible people and, you know, stick with us. Now, I know it is my fault for bringing it up, but you as, as, up, as, as a podcast that does ostensibly call itself a comedy podcast, I feel like that was way too many uses of the word paedophile in the last two minutes. That's entirely true. Uh, I promise not to say the word again afterwards, unless it turns out that Arthur von Zarelli uh, <laughs> nursed children, but I don't think he did. So it's a good thing. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. No more paedophilia in this episode. Sorry, Let's carry on. Uh, there's no paedophilia in this episode, Jamie. Or I mean, references there too. Yes, uh, uh, not a funny subject as seen by me going to a depressive state about Michael Jackson <laughs> for a good three seconds. Right, um, just to finish off my very detailed historical context, uh, it was a Tuesday on November 9th, 1982. Wow. It was 13,283 days ago, as of recording, and if a dog was born on this day, they would be 182 dog years old. They'd also be dead, because no dog born on that day is alive today. No, true, but they would be 182 years old. Now, now my final fact is that Carl Sagan was celebrating his 48th birthday on this day. Was he watching Happy Days? We can only speculate. How old is Carl Sagan today? Well, Carl Sagan's dead, so that's how old Carl Sagan is. Yeah, The guy yeah. who hosted Cosmos? Yeah, yeah, no, he real dead. When did he die? Like in the nineties. Who am I thinking? Who's the guy who does Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes. Who's Carl Sagan? He's the guy who originally hosted Cosmos. Oh, I didn't realise that. Like, I, like a long I, time I ago. I have elided those two people into one. I've never watched Cosmos. I just okay. know that this guy who hosts it and shows up on stuff to be mean about science fiction movies cool. sometimes. I uh, did forget that I did have one uh, one final uh, fact 
Uh, and I think, again, it is important. The reason, I think people may not understand why we are giving this historical context. I think it's important to recognise the state of mind of the populace at the time. And therefore, this is probably the most important fact here. It was the 29th anniversary of Cambodia gaining independence from France. So when watching this episode, you really have to think that people are just, just holding parties in the streets for the 29th anniversary of Cambodia <laughs> getting independence from France. Now, once again, to paint a picture for our audience... Um, and they want to go ca- back to a simpler time. Is that <laughs> yes. what you're saying? Yes. Um, to paint a picture for our audience, um, uh, my co-host Al literally had his face in a pillow while I was doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my historical context, Al. Now, Jamie, Did you learn many a thing? I know. No, no, I asked you a question. Did you learn no, many a thing? I've okay. forgotten all of them uh, other than uh, something about Cambodia, I think. Okay, no, let me give you a test. Oh, no, how I'm many, okay. How that's... many nuclear... <laughs> one, two, from no, Russia. No, how many nuclear tests did you Two from Russia. Yay! One from America. <laughs> you remember. Um, I know we should support our fellow artists, but if I were to uh, rate those historical facts uh, on a scale of one to ten, I wouldn't, because I want to support my fellow artists. Okay, you tell me something more interesting that happened in November 1982. Sure, this episode came out. Let me give you a little bit of context about <laughs> Happy Day. Mm, mm, yes, clap. Claps for that. <laughs> Thank you very Good much. Good segue. So, uh, Happy Days was uh, created by Gary Marshall, who you might better know as the director of a number of actually quite big films. So, yep. he directed the, the, movie... uh, the Underworld series of films. Mm, I think you're thinking of something else. The Underworld, the ones with. Oh, uh, no, I'm thinking of Len Wiseman, different person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, I've just put up that I know the Underworld <laughs> director. It's fine. Never mind. Doesn't matter, guys. Carry on. No, uh, so Gary Marshall, more well known for directing uh, rom coms yep. such as Pretty Women yep. and also Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, New Year's Eve. Uh, he has other better films too. So, really, just, just holiday based rom coms. Yes, he clearly uh, at some point saw um, Love Actually and decided to do that, but American. Uh, and, you know, fair enough to him. So, Happy Days actually starts off on a TV show called Love American Style, and I want to stop oh there God. for a second and examine what Love American Style actually is. Uh, Jamie, if you were to, for example, describe to me Love British Style, what would what would come to mind? Love British Style? Yeah. If, if it were a TV show called Love British Style? Sure. A lot of chinos. Got a lot of chinos, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what does what what does Britain mean anymore, Al? Well, it's depressing. <laughs> um. But if if we were to take Britain to mean the posh upper class, <laughs> what? okay, love on the British Isles. <laughs> Love on the British Isles is a bunch of people shagging. Let's just change it to love French way, French style. Love French style, you know, you've got berets, you've got like the white and black striped shirts that look like they could be in prison, you know, you've got moustaches, you've got other stereotypes. I'm not a therapist, Uh but it's interesting that when I ask you to describe love a certain style, you describe a lot of clothes. It's, what else it's is very... a style? But no, oh, so you've taken the style thing to yes. one thing, rather than love. Yeah, yeah, Because it's love, comma, American style. So it's not like love, but while we wear, like, truckers' jerseys. Okay. It's like love I... the American way. I see. The American version see. of love. Rather than just, oh, I'm going to drink some milk and I'm going to put on my... 
look, look, Al, I do not like that you have substituted your Italian-American accent for just another offensive American accent. That is not offensive to anyone but truckers. Truckers, you're great. You're doing a very difficult job. I wasn't trying to be insulting. So what you're saying to truckers is, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. That was not offensive. If you're offended by that, please send me a text, I guess, if you know me. Or if not, uh, please tweet at me at HanksBank. Uh, at Hank's Bank Pod. At Hank's Bank Pod. I'm so sorry, but you corrected me there. <laughs> uh, and I will either issue an apology next week or I will not. We'll see. Um, so, yes, so Love American Style, which was kind of an anthology show, uh, went on for quite, quite a long time. And Happy Days started uh, as an episode on there, and then it kind of uh, went forward from there. Um, so, obviously, famously stars Henry Winkler. As the Fonz or the Fonzie, Arthur Fonzarelli, as his friends and family. He's from full nomenclature. Of course. Um, but actually, the Fonz wasn't originally the main character. So he was more of a sort of kind of this cool side character who comes in. The main character, when it started out, was Richie Cunningham, which is the best name ever, who was played by Ron Howard, um, yeah. who actually will go on to direct uh, Tom Hanks and a lot of other things. Yeah. He directs Hanks in the. Um, uh, da Vinci Code films, Dan Brown films. He also directs, I believe, in Apollo 13. Um, so it's quite interesting. Now, here. see, Al, you were having to grasp for those names. If only you had a piece of paper with all the facts you could require. That's, that's entirely true, Jamie, but I like to keep this conversation organic, one might say. <laughs> I like to have a little bit of ebb and flow to the conversation uh, rather than just me drink, drinking and reading this. I'm not drinking anything, people, don't worry. So, uh, outside of that, there are a couple of interesting facts about Happy Days as a show. Um, kind of when it starts out in the first two seasons, obviously, about Richie. Uh, and it's meant to be a more honest take on kind of growing up in the 50s and stuff like that. With the Fonz as this uh, kind of cool, but like dropout high school character who everyone sort of wants to be. A bit of a greaser. And as it goes on by season two, they've not had great viewership. It's sort of declining. So they reboot it. They make it a broader comedy. They make the Fonz more of a main character. And actually, by the time we get to this episode in Which 82... Which is season, season three, episode five, I think? Or are we uh, later than that? Later than that. The show ends in 84 and that begins in 74. So, oh, um, wow. If it's in 82, it's probably the last... Uh, and it goes on for 10 seasons, so it's probably about season eight, I think. Oh, Jesus. Um, which is interesting. And actually, by this episode, you don't have any Richie Cunningham. Um, because by this point, they've, I think he's gone across the army or something. Uh, and as the show goes on, famously, there is this term which is called jumping the shark. Oh, yeah, this is season 10. Season, season 10, 10, episode 5. So oh, last season. Um, so, uh, I wonder what they do in 84. They must have done like a couple of TV movies or something. Yeah. Um, but by this point, he's kind of moved across the army. The show is retooled, focused completely on the phones. And uh, famously, the kind of term for what happened to the show is called jumping the shark. And this is used quite often when talking about lots of shows. And it's the very specific point in a show, you can look at it and say, that show has become ridiculous in its it, within its own world. It has become implausible. It's Any rules it's had, it's given up those rules. It's no longer the show it originally was. Yes, and they're going for shock factor. They're going for um, plot for the sake of plots, rather than plot from character. I think it makes sense. Because on the show, what happened was there was an episode where they all go to the beach... And someone on the beach says, I bet you can't jump over a shark, Fonzie. And Fonzie goes, I can definitely jump over a shark. Sorry, I need to, in the correct accent. Oh, yes, chap, I can, <laughs> I can definitely jump over that, sh- 
shark, don't worry. Let oh. me just drink this cup of tea and I'll be over the shark on my jet ski in no time. So, I think it was I, I, well, I'll just pause you there. I'm confused why you felt um, you needed to change from offending Italian-Americans, none of whom are here. To offending posh white British people, one um, of whom is sat across from that's you. That's true, Jamie. But I uh, think we can agree: people like it when they punch when people punch amongst themselves. <laughs> they don't like it when they punch other groups of people. So if Fair. I punch you and myself, that's okay. We're not going to have anyone complain, or we might do, but there'll be conservatives and or I don't know the old right. What's this weird political turn you're trying to force on? Oh, I'm this sorry, show? Jamie. Guys, if you didn't know, there was a big march today in the UK. This Why do you later. time stamp us every episode? But, um, well, because I like to make it a historical document. There was a big march because people don't like Brexit and it's definitely going to happen probably no matter what. But you know what? The people who marched, thank you. That was yeah, by the time this episode has come out, so, it could have already happened. Obviously, this, yeah, it probably has and we'll be drinking somewhere. Woo! Um, so, one interesting thing I found about the show is the number of spin-offs. So, actually, nowadays, uh, like a, a successful TV show might have like one spin-off uh, and a push too. So something like Frasier obviously has uh, was a spin-off of Cheers. And I'm trying to think, um, there are lots of shows which have kind of backdoor pilots. You know, Joey to Friends. Joey to Friends, but that wasn't so much successful. Um, something like the Game of Thrones shows are having a couple spin-offs coming out. Um, this one had an obscene number of spin-offs. Um, so obviously kind of the most one of the most famous ones is Mork and Mindy. It also had Joni Loves Chachi, which was a real show I yep. uh, that I learned today. It also had Laverne and Shirley. Yep. It also has another show, which I've forgotten the name of, which was basically about... If, if only, Al. If only you had a piece uh, of paper oh, with all the information all the you needed. <laughs> uh, one of the other shows was uh, about... Uh, so, obviously, Mork and Mindy is, is a show in which um, Robin Williams plays an alien who comes down... Uh, and you know, you say obviously, but not obviously. <laughs> and again, that's where this series begins entering the realm of that. Another one is a one in which an angel comes down and lives amongst pe- the people of Happy Days and helps them out, or kind of later Happy Days. Um, there are a couple of I think there's like six or seven spin-offs. There's a couple of animated ones. Um, there's far too many. I'm surprised there hasn't been a reboot. To be honest, setting it in. I mean, it's it's very. Of its time. No, uh, yes, but I don't mean in the 50s. I mean, you take some of these characters and then you say, hey, we're going to do one in the 90s or whatever. Yeah, but then you remember that that 80s show after that 70s show? Yes, but it didn't have the nostalgia. So that happened immediately afterwards. So something similar happened with um, uh, How I Met Your Mother. They tried to do, they did a pilot for How I Met Your Father. Um, and that didn't really work because I think it's too soon afterwards. So immediately afterwards, before you let nostalgia kick in, I think people are like, especially on a show which has gone on for so long, there's not so much of a desire to uh, carry it on. Whereas something like Will and Grace coming back, you know, probably about 10 years or something, mm-hmm. after it was first on TV, um, Fuller House, I think there's definitely room for those kind of shows. I'm just surprised it never really happened. Um, so, so that was that. There's only one last thing I want to uh, share with you guys about this show. And it is, of course, a review uh, of the show. Of course. On uh, IMDb. Now, the review is entitled, Note to Joel S, full stop, comma, The Fonz was cool. Um, And that's how we're going to begin. Cool. Uh, Jamie, it's written by Toronto Jedi Master. Um, all one word. I feel like you shouldn't reveal his name. <laughs> yes, I apologise for outing you. We don't need to dox you. Apologies. And this was on the 28th of August, 2004. 
<laughs> long time after the show is off the air. Oh, yes. I don't know what Joel S., full stop, was watching when he was making comments about Fonzie being a loser. Fonzie was supposed to be older than the rest of the gang, but not by that many years. Perhaps it was because Henry Winkler was older than the rest of the cast that he looked, as you said, 20 years older. Fonzie never dated high school girls. He knew they were too young for him. He had morals. Fonzie being a literate high school dropout. I don't know where you got that from. Fonzie had dropped out of high school when the show started, but one of the plot points of the episode where Richie graduated high school was that Fonzie revealed that he'd been secretly going to night school to earn his high school diploma. He graduated with the rest of the gang. Fonzie living above the Cunningham's garage, that was because he'd given up on his own apartment to his grandmother after she'd been forced to leave his own, uh, her own place. He stayed above the garage for so long because he loved the Cunninghams like his own family. He essentially was part of the family. In the last season, he did move out into a regular apartment. In the last episode, he bought a house so that he would be allowed to adopt an orphan boy he befriended. <laughs> Gee, buying a house so you can provide a good home and be a good parent doesn't sound like a loser to me. As well, Fonzie also worked several jobs at once. He was or became the owner of the garage he worked at. When Arnold's burned down, he put up money to help Al rebuild and become the part-time owner. Then he started teaching shop class at Jefferson High. He later went to a tough school and became the Dean of Boys so he could help kids who needed guidance. So I think Fonzie was a cool character. Not because of his leather jacket or motorcycle or his prowess with girls. I think he was cool because he was a good person who was always willing to help his friends in need. Did you ever see the episode where Al wants to go down to Alabama <laughs> to join a civil rights march? <coughs> this is a later episode when the time was the 60s. Fonzie is concerned about Al's safety and goes with him to look out for him. Fonzie joins Al and a young African-American man in his city at a diner. That doesn't sound like something a loser would do. <laughs> now, I, I mean... Tell me the lie. Don't, um, Everything that man said makes complete sense to I, me. I don't want to say that Toronto Jedi Master is lying at all. Not a thing. One, I read that because I think it's a really good setup for the show and the character of Fonzie. Um, he's clearly meant to be this kind of bad boy character to begin with, but by the end, the show, I think, being told that they needed to make him wholesome or at least appropriate for kids because he had a big child fan base. There was a lot of merchandise uh, branded with the Fonz on it. Um, they made him more kind of friendly. And two, I love that there are people out there in 2004 who would <laughs> die hard Happy Days fans. Um, I'm not here to knock anyone's fandom, um, but you know, Toronto Jedi Master, you do just, you, man. Just chill. <laughs> Shout out to you. Uh, right, so should we begin with the actual show? We've actually gone quite deep in here. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, we'll just start talking about the show like 25 minutes in, it's fine. Um, so, of course, we are, as I said, we're uh, reviewing Season 10, Episode 5, which has a title which I don't know. It is the episode that... Tom Hanks is in. The concept... Should we just do a quick plot rundown? Because I feel like that sure. just take us like three minutes. Less than. Um, is Fonzie is receiving an award. Again, in Toronto Jedi Master's uh, defence, he is receiving an award for being a good person in the community. So clearly he's not the ragamuffin he used to be. Yeah, he's not yeah. a loser. <laughs> the episode, by the way, is uh, called A Little Case of Revenge. A Little Case of Revenge. Lovely. Revenge. <laughs> Um, yeah, they were very simple with their naming uh, back then, as you will notice when I describe this plot. So he's receiving this award, Fonzie goes to get it, and then in turns up Tom Hanks saying, he can't get this award, he's a bad person. 
because he pushed me off a swing when I was eight. So it turns out Tom Hanks has had a 17-year... Also, I, I was sort of doing the maths on that. Fonzie's supposed to be 25, that means. Oh, he does not. Uh, yeah, no, he looks about 40 um, and probably was. Henry um, Winkler, I best know from stuff like Arrested Development, we're having a show about this earlier today, and Parks and Rec. And in that, he plays an old man version of himself. And the joke is sort of, this is Henry Winkler, he was on Happy Days. So I was expecting to see him here and he would look a little bit more different. But no, he looks like the same man, just with yeah. blacker hair. yeah, yeah. Um, and so Tom Hanks' character is like, I want to fight you. And Fonz's like, no. Nah. Well, he's like, oh, I'll do that. And everyone loves is like, no, don't do that. You've just received an award. Don't be a dum-dum. Um, don't be a dum-dum. And then the series of shows is Tom Hanks coming back saying, I'm going to fight you. And Fonz being like, no, I couldn't. And then the final scene, Tom Hanks turns up in karate gear. Uh, and then they have a fight. But Fonz like, dodges all of his attacks over and over again until he gets tired. And then the Fonz is like, you're, you can hit me once. I'm going to let you hit me once. Tom Hanks kicks him. He goes through a window. Comes back, somehow. <laughs> and Unscathed. There's no blood. He's, no, he's nothing. smashed through glass. Yeah, he smashed through a window. Uh, presumably at least on the second floor. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I'm proud of you, kid. You got Maxie, or whatever he says. Um, Why, and that am is, I not allowed to do offensive accents? Um, I yeah, would say, can. I would say that was a very mild accent. Well, very well, mild. So apparently, just because I didn't go to drama school doesn't mean <laughs> that I. <laughs> All I said was, "You've got Maxie." I don't. That well, is well, well. So well. you are. Com- I would like to compare. Now, I, I, I hesitate to recreate your depiction of Don Scardino but you are comparing You've Got Maxi Kid to Don Scardino hey what's uh, your that Jamie was, yeah. if I if I remember correctly and I'll I'll, I'll get back into the headspace uh, it sounds something a little bit more like this oh please don't why am I no please uh, hello chum um <laughs> You've got Moxie, eh? Uh, good on old sport. Would you like a cup of the uh, stiff stuff? I'm talking about tea with sugar, of course. Maybe a drop of milk. Ayo, ayo, ayo. What's offensive about that, Jamie? What's offensive about that? I'm sorry I don't have an AMA in acting in life. I just, <laughs> I just got a PhD in being a good guy. Much like the fonts. I was about to say that you've oversimplified this plot. Okay, you can, you can you can elaborate. But actually, I, no. That there okay, is, cool, yeah. There is just that much content. There, there is that much content. There's, so what I found interesting in you may have noticed in my describing is there was no B plot, which no. like I don't know whether that was common at the time, but like nowadays in any sitcom you'll have a main plot and you'll have a B plot. Sure. Like that's just and sometimes a, you go even further, right? So yeah, you have like a B plot, C plot. An ABC plot most weeks. Yeah. Um, some weeks it might have less when all the friends are doing stuff together this, and some. This more. was purely streamlined, just just Fonz and Tom Hanks just yeah. duking it out. Which, to be honest, fairly refreshing. I quite like yeah. that. It's, yeah. it's no, nice it was, to. It was nice to have a consistent uh, narrative. Yeah. And uh, a consistent narrative and also one that felt quite short. So, although yeah. there were a lot of ad breaks, which would have been annoying at the time. I um, mean, yeah, it, 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 it really made the show feel. Like more breezy, even though it was even with yeah. the ads, like twenty two minutes was standing for a for a sitcom. Sure, like it felt very breezy. It went through quite quickly, which was nice. Um, it was something which confused me in mm-hmm. the story. Um, seemingly, the Fonz is a god. You know, you know how um, <laughs> well, Roman I, and Greek religions had kind of gods of specific places. So you might yeah. have a god of your street or something like that. The Fonz seems to be a god of this town. He is kicked 
very hard enough that he goes back at least 20 feet, falls through a window, climbs out of the window. There's no glass on him. There's no blood. There's nothing. He comes out unscathed. The people of this town worship the ground he walks on. <laughs> now, the audience, when he walks in, will scream. Oh, yeah. When he puts... At one point, he's wearing a jacket. Obviously. Uh, a suit jacket. Um, someone ripped... Um, Tom Hanks, of course, cruelly rips off the sleeves. He goes into the bathroom. He's tearing stuff on the walls because he's the local bad boy. Uh, his mate says, no, look, he's like, what are you going to do to win? He goes, sure. He reaches kind of behind a toilet somewhere and pulls down an emergency leather jacket. He puts it on and the audience sounds like Michael Jackson's just come in the room. And it's it's weird. He, he was a superstar yep. for that character. Now, you referenced his, uh, not just his godlike status, but also his godlike powers. Yes. We must remember that this is, I assume, post-shark jumping. So I think this is... I'm not sure whether this is in relation to shark jumping, but you're right. But by that, that point, he By is, that point, it, it is a just overly as, elaborate, right, Just as Hercules had his 12 tasks, uh, so too the Fonz must jump the shark in order to become God. Uh, and now he jumped the <laughs> shark, uh, and like Christ, he is risen from the dead, and he cannot be killed. Almost like a metaphor, one might say. In this episode, he is kicked out. He dies, but he comes back Christ again. And you know what? More parts of the show for the Christ allegory. It's great. Um, we need more TV. Um, some other thoughts. I I learned watching this that... Well, it may be that this is now 10, 10 seasons deep in this show. Sure. But I learned that every impression I've ever seen of the Fonz was pretty fucking bad. I did not... Re- like... Hey! Yeah, even I even hey, went to, I he wanted to talk, at one point. He did badly. do it really badly. So goes, obviously, hey. I, mean, I would like to do. Hi. I would like to do two impressions. Oh. I would like to do okay. what we've all heard of the Fonz, which is hey. hey, and then what forty-year-old decrepit Arthur Fonzarelli oh, wow. did in this episode, which was uh. yeah, he goes. <laughs> The sound is so sad. So, Jamie, there is a word, and I can't remember what it's for, but it's for the sound, the first breath of air a human makes. <laughs> and, it's, and it's kind of a cry, it's like a... And that's they sound un- like dolphins. It's true. That, you know, when you come out of the womb, because you're coming out of the sea, the sea is the womb. Um, and here, Henry Winkler makes the opposite sound. I'm not sure what it is, the last the last breath that <laughs> human makes. If you could tweet us at Tom... Uh, at at Hanks, Hanks Bank Pod. Pod. Oh my God. Or and tweet at Tom Hanks to see if he Tom knows Hanks, the word. Uh, telling him... What to to Ask Tom. him, what is the word for one's dying breath? Yes. Just tweet because that at Tom Hanks, just out of the blue. <laughs> see what happens. That is what uh, the sound is. It does sound like the last noise a human makes before they die. Mm-hmm. Um, um, before we... We'll do a little bit on Tom Hanks in a second, as this is... Ostensibly a Tom Hanks podcast, which we often forget. Um, my final other observation is there was a child in this, and you know I'm not one to normally attack a child for being a terrible actor, but I'm going to attack this child for being a terrible actor. She was real bad. I could not understand a single word she was saying. How did I, they let that be the final I take? I will say on that one: the quality of it, what we were watching was particularly bad, and it was like. Recorded off a staticky thing anyway. Potentially. Uh, and to... I don't know when it happens, but it's... Especially nowadays, there's a, to, to point to another Gary Marshall thing, and I'm not trying to attack child actors here. I, it's a very tough job. Obviously, it's what's weird. But in a film like Valentine's Day, there is a child character. And then it, you, it feels like this kid has been acting since birth. He's, he's kind of had... Uh, 
been a stage kid. I'm not sure what the word is for in films, but he's been a child star. And it kind of feels it. It's a bit, it's a bit stagey. And it, it stands out as about weird, because actually recently, a lot of child actors are brilliant, especially yeah. if you think of a, a child uh, show based with children, like Outnumbered, which um, was kind of an improv show for American audiences who might not know it. Do you know? Yeah, um, no, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Which kind of, the main thing was they would have, it basically was improvised. They'd have yeah. these setups, but the kids were allowed to say whatever they wanted. Yeah. And because of that, you got this really wonderfully organic child performance. And with this, I think what happened was I think at some point you start getting child actors being a thing and you get that kind of Valentine's Day kids kids star thing where everyone's enunciating very nicely you're getting uh, but it feels a bit stagey and as a response to that later on people try and get these more authentic things from kids and I reckon just back in the 70s and right into the 80s now you do just have it's before that it's before there is a system for these kind of child actors actually uh, I guess, I'm not even sure that because you have Shirley Temple lot earlier on. Maybe you she's ha- not going to... You have Drew Barrymore, age seven, as we've already That's discussed. True. You know what, Jamie? So by the... You're going to agree with me? This kid was shit? I'm, not... I'm <laughs> going to say that this kid uh, could have used some enunciation lessons and they should apply for And rather. could have not screamed every line she had. Well, we could say that the same with Tom Hanks, though, so couldn't we? Ah, <laughs> uh, but it was a character choice. It was very good. <laughs> uh, I would also like to give this show credit. I'm not sure if the rest of the show is like this, but particularly this episode, we've, we've run into a problem so far reviewing things from the early 80s uh, and the late 70s that they've been you know not that great by modern societal standards sure of, that, you know that it's, it's sexism it's, and it's, racism it, and things like yes, that it's difficult to go back to some this things. episode pretty much didn't have any of that no, which was nice the, the weirdest thing was and i didn't find it super weird and i think this depends on your upbringing was that like the fawns kiss the little kid the on little the lips. Kid the lips. Yeah, yeah, no, I found that a little bit weird. But, but I just that just time, seems more of a That's just a societal thing. Right? Yeah. Like, like, that, I, that, there's nothing inherently I think Franz is meant to be like basically a big brother character to this yeah. kid. So like it's not it's not inherently yeah. it's not that it was creepy. Yeah. So much just as a little you bit just weird. you see anything. Oh, you don't really see that in yeah. stuff anymore. Um now shall we discuss Tom Mr. Hanks. Tom Hanks? Yeah, we're back to the main point of the Hanks back. Aliens listening, <laughs> don't worry, we're here for what you want to as he is called, Dwayne the Rock Twitchell. Johnson. No, Dwayne no. the Rock. Dwayne Twitchell, way better name than Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I want you to um, go up to Dwayne the Rock Johnson's face and tell him he should change his name <laughs> to Dwayne Twitchell. <laughs> and see if he doesn't punch you into the moon. No, he'd like record me for Instagram or something. Um, so, no, yeah. I, as we have experienced most of the way uh, through this so far, he is brought in and he's a comedic character and he plays comedy very well. He plays over the top. Um, I enjoyed him. He's good fun. This he is was, the best he's he, been in anything. Yeah, he including was, he, Bosom Buddies. This is yeah. He definitely got like actual genuine laughs out of me. Like I don't think re- there were maybe one or two other moments in the show from any other characters, but he really carried this entire episode in terms of comedy. Yeah, I, I think there were a couple of there are a couple of beats I liked in the show which aren't him. I, I did like when Fonzie goes into the bathroom and starts tearing the place apart. Yeah, um, and so it's not. Clearly the writing is still, you know, it's, it's a funny writing. I can see why even in season 10 or whatever, this is one of the most popular shows on TV, if not the most popular show on TV. But you're right, like he goes in, he gives it this this really full-body performance. Yeah. And you can imagine this being done by someone who's not Tom Hanks. And it's, it's probably the first time, actually, where I've seen a show and gone, Tom Hanks has brought something to this. Yeah. 
that isn't just on the page and isn't just his natural charm. He's yeah. like, he's gone for it. Yeah. He's like, really given it everything. It to, in that fight scene, he does some really good physical comedy, which yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have expected from him. Um, like, really throwing himself about, really, just really committing. Yeah, he like, really commits to it. Like, it's, it's a, let's be fair, a small role on a dying TV show and... And he has just fully committed, I, I, thrown I, everything I, I, to it. I think it. saying a dying TV show is a bit unfair. If just because... I mean, it's its last season. No, but that's by, fair. By but, pure definition. But if, I, if, if you, for example, let's say we gave you a time machine. We said, okay, your uh-huh. agent goes, Jamie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in a TV show. And she goes, you go, sure, which one? And she says, Friends season 10. Okay. You would, that, and that's the equivalent. <laughs> it might be on its last leg. It might have dropped off your ship. But that doesn't... It's had such a successful run yeah, yeah, that even being in season ten of that show or whatever is an honor, and especially for quite a large role in that thing. He is the, he is the villain of the episode. Yeah, He's very funny. He does commit to you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to describe his commitment. But if 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 Arthur Fonzarelli by this point is going, <laughs> then uh, Tom Hanks comes in with all this energy, and rather than going like hi yeah, he's like hi yeah, he's karateing, chopping yeah. his way through um, the whole I, set. I would like to say that. Um, that was not a metaphor that Al was making. <laughs> Tom Hanks literally does say I in this episode. A lot. A lot. Also, Mr. Miyagi is in this. Uh, the yep. guy who plays him. Uh, yeah. It shows up. I think he shows up as his karate instructor. I'm not... Or just as a... It's just a dude. I think he owns a bar or something there. He's in the background. He doesn't really say much. Yeah. Um, I think the karate kids come out by his... Oh, has it? I mean, let me ask you a question, Al. Because you are asking me about something that may have this happened in history. This is historical content. Did it happen in November 1980 to... Because if it didn't, I have no fucking clue! One sec. Um... <laughs> Alright. Yeah. So, the karate yeah. comes out, kid comes out at 84. 84, so it does not come out The yet. actor who does play Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid is in this, but it is not a reference to The Karate Kid, which I assumed it was... Okay, because now Tom Hanks is in I it basically would, being the and I, and I will give you time to Google this. I would like you to check. Are you sure it is the same actor? Because that would be rather embarrassing if it was not. Now, while you're looking that up, just for clarification, I would also like to uh, say that in this, it is revealed at the end of the episode that he is. Ah, so, yes. Okay. So, cool. uh, Pat uh, Morita. Yeah. Abundantly, uh, who gets lots of things on his IMDb. But clearly he's in the Karate Kid. Yes. And he's also in 27 episodes of Happy, Happy Days. Okay, you're so, safe. So, <laughs> I am totally safe. No, because I've seen that before. Cool. Um, I am surprised by that. Because it, it, to me, it felt like a Karate Kid, a very, like, of-the-time Karate Kid parody. Of, yeah. like, hey, we're going to do this. But imagine if the Karate Kid was, had, like, developed this grudge for 17 years yeah. and then decided to come kick his ass. Yeah. Um... As I was saying, it is revealed at the end of this episode that he is a psychiatrist. Now, Al, yes. I don't know if you remember, way back no, when... No, you don't think it's a... <laughs> so, <laughs> you have seen what I am saying. Th- For those of you who uh, have not listened to our first episode, He Knows You're Alone, Go um, back and make sure one of the it. key details of this very minor character in He Knows You're Alone that Tom Hanks plays is that he is studying Psych 101. That's true. Now, we also know that... <laughs> In that in that film, he trips over a woman in order to flirt with her. He has a history of violence. What I am saying is that this is our first guaranteed, definitive, and I will not take any objections to this, proof of the Hanksiverse. Of yes. consistent lines through Hanks- his characters. Yes. We need now, to we, must ignore, yeah. we must ignore... We must ignore... 
Everything that else? they have different names sure. and all other aspects. But Jamie, I'm going to be honest here. I'm just if w- you were showing up somewhere, and please let me finish, mm-hmm. um, to physically assault and potentially kill one of your ex-classmates from when you were eight, uh-huh. wouldn't you come with a different name? <laughs> Would you just go around shouting, <laughs> my name's Jamie Loxton. <laughs> well, actually, my name's Jamie Loxton. My name's Jamie, and I'm here to kill you. No, 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 no. You'd be like, hi, my name is uh, Paul Rudd. And I mean, and to... does not Dr. Dwayne Twitchell sound like a made-up name? <laughs> there um, we go. So clearly we have proven this without a shadow of a doubt. Um... You got anything more to say about this show? Uh, I think or we should we move on to ratings. Ratings, yeah. sweet. Um, so let's start with your rating of this show of Happy Days. Uh, this episode of Happy Days. Honestly, out of five. Considering my only understanding of Happy Days beforehand was, I think my dad must have got in the first series or something on DVD when I was about eleven, and he. I remember us. He had this really big bed and a TV at the end of the bed, and we would watch it because no one else wanted to watch it. Watch like two, three episodes. And I didn't get it. It made no sense to me. Actually watching this, I'm like, oh, I can see why people have fond memories of Happy Days. Mm. Um, it's a funny show. It, it's very, like you said earlier, it is very much a show in its 10th season. There are lots of in-jokes. There's a lot of things which will be funnier if you had watched 10 or 8 or however many seasons beforehand. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it. So honestly, what, I get like a four? Um, I don't, I'm not going to go and watch the entirety of Happy Days. But if you compare it to something like Bosom Buddies. <laughs> uh, you really despise Or something that show. like... The love boat. Um, <laughs> oh God. Then, yeah, I, I, I far liked it more than that. This was a joy to watch. Cool. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you. I enjoyed it. I had a fun time. Uh, I think outside of Tom Hanks, it was only okay. So I think in that context, I'm probably going to give it a 3.5. But I did enjoy it, and I laughed out loud, which is not something I can say for most of the other comedic things we have, we have watched uh, in preparation for this. Um yeah. Tom Hanks, out of five. Out of five. I think he's really funny in this. Um, I think it's the same kind of energy. And again, I've, uh, I don't want to prejudge this. I haven't actually watched this, this film the whole way through. But if a film like Big, which I've seen little bits of, it is that same kind of slightly manic kid energy that he brings to something mm-hmm. that early Tom Hanks has and is brilliant. So uh, for no one who's seen that film, maybe um, something like David S. Pumpkins. There's a similar <laughs> level of commitment where he kind of comes into this objectively crazy, not that funny role. And yet because of the level he like manically commits to it, it is very funny. So I, I think this is a, this is prime Hanks. I'm not sure it is the most prime Hanks of this kind of role, but I think it is like, especially compared to the stuff we see earlier, this is the best he has been. So mm-hmm. I want to give him credit. I would say, if I saw this on TV at the time, I would say he's one to watch. <laughs> uh, I agree. I, I would give him five out of five. I think he was great in this role. And he was, I think that, that was my main reason for sort of knocking the show down from like 3.5, because I wanted to give more credit to, to Hanks himself, because I think he is the reason I enjoyed this episode. That's fair. Um, we have our brand new, as of last episode, Tom Hanks' Dick Meter. Out of five. Uh, what did I give? I don't remember what you fucking gave anyone anything. Language, Jamie. Apologies. Um, of course, we don't have a parental guidance warning in this at all. <laughs> um, it's tough. Uh, so last week he was on. I think I might have given him five last week. 
Now, this is when he wants to murder someone. Like, he wants to kill the Fonz. And and on a show like this, that's pretty ridiculous. Like, people people worship the ground. Someone in the show, and we forgot to mention this, has a fight with his best friend. Yeah. Because his best friend suggests that the Fonz uh, was down as a coward. Is a coward. Yeah. And I wish that two of my friends would come to physical blows <laughs> because one of them has suggested that I'm a coward. <laughs> that, if I can inspire that level of devotation in people, that would be amazing. Um, so uh, within the show, he's, prob- he's probably... He's a fool because actually at the end they kind of they end on good terms. Mm-hmm. But he does he does destroy this restaurant. Yeah, uh, he does destroy Arnold's. I think so. You know what? On that, on that account, he's got definitely a fool. Ah, oh, see, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I enjoyed his performance. Maybe it's because I think he's a lovable rogue. But I just I can't give him a high dick. I just I. I like him. I enjoyed yes, him. Yes. So I cannot but, give him a dick. Me. But, but I, if we go back to the, you do not get to convince me to change my score, no, I, Alexander. I'm sorry. Give you a score, <laughs> and then I'll argue against you afterwards. <laughs> give it. I give will give it. him a two point five. Wow. I do agree. Wow. He, I, I think he is a sad case of bitter resentment that if allowed to grow and fester can create a monster of any man wow um dear audience <laughs> listeners um i want to just point out that for four episodes now uh, jamie has repeatedly been making the hand gesture for quieter, quieter. <laughs> and i've been trying to take this on board i've been trying to enunciate it better and then along comes jamie Bursting your eardrums. Right now, Jamie, there'll be at least five people. So five the five people listening to this will be going to the hospital because they can't hear anymore. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stop the five people listening to this from continuing to listen. What I, I want to say of those five people is, was it not worth it? There we go. Um, yeah, so I feel that Tom Hanks... So on, on that, yes, he's love all that kind of stuff. But if we're going back to the, the attempt to find a unifying theory of Hanks as a separate subplot in this <laughs> series. I think that's an exclusive B-plot for you. Yeah, sure, that's definitely our B-plot. Um, imagine I have glasses and a notebook and look disraveled. Um, that, in, even in his lovable movies, even that, when he's actually doing rom-coms and stuff, it is that there's, he finds this jerkish quality. It, it, it comes from him... You laughing at him trying to be superior. And mm. and maybe it's not. Maybe he's not actually superior. The Fonz is a god and he comes along being like, I'm going to punch God in the face. But actually, he's impressive nonetheless. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Sweet. Um, so now I um, just want to take a moment here, Al, mm-hmm. uh, and, and bring the tone down uh, because something quite serious. So uh, we live in tumultuous times. I know I have criticised you earlier for for bringing politics into this, and I don't want to delve into that, but it is safe to say that there is a lot happening. Is that not correct? Yes. Now, earlier in this episode, I gave you historical context for for November 1982. Now, I would say if you were to check the news nowadays at any time, any new day, there's probably something quite big happening. But we must remember in November 1982, if the most important thing to happen an entire month is, oh, Sugar Ray Leonard retired for the first time, then it's a slight easier time to live in. And potentially that means... I want to throw something out there. 
Do you have any idea where I'm going with this? You don't know. Okay. Because you didn't bother to look it up. Whether or not Sugar J. Leonard... Or Sugar Ray Leonard? Sugar Ray, Why do you suck at getting people's Sugar names Sugar Ray... Right? Oh, I have dyslexia, I'm sorry. That <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard wasn't the Pope. Okay? okay? So you do not know that the Pope decided to retire, do you, Jamie? <laughs> I... You know what? I didn't do the research on that. I can almost guarantee been, that Sugar Ray Leonard is not the He could have been the vice president of the United States of America. Could he have not? No, again, Who no. Who was the vice president of America at this time? Not Sugar Ray Who Leonard. Who was it? Ronald Reagan's vice president. George. Not Sugar George. Ray Leonard. George. Why are you testing me on American politics? It's George Bush. Let me finish my point. George Bush won. Okay. I think George Bush won. It's, that is his name. Yeah, George Bush won. George Bush senior. Um... So we are discussing a time that was much simpler. Yeah, there was a Cold War going on, Jamie. Yeah, no, you're right. There wasn't a war going on between, like, two massive thermonuclear enemies who at this point were at their head. Have you not seen the show The Americans? You fool. You fool. You think the 80s were simple? Go back and live there, Jamie. Oh, the 80s were simpler times just because I hit some keys on the internet button and it came out with five things. Well done. It was one month. It was one month. What were people doing during... January this month, Jamie. Can you name five things then? I bet you can't. Right, fuck the entire premise I was going for. This is going in my Hanks bank. That's all I was going to fucking say. That's all I was building up to do. I'm putting this goddamn episode in my Hanks bank because this is the first thing going in my Hanks bank. So I thought it'd be kind of funny to like do a big build up to it. But no, I guess go fuck myself. Jesus. Do you want to take this time to finish off? No. This episode is going in my Hanks bank. I thought Tom Hanks was really good in it. I found it funny. I was trying to build up to a like jokey bit of like, yeah, of course, TV was like, it was like easier to enjoy lesser good TV because the times were simpler. But no, I'll just go die in a fucking hole, Al. <laughs> yeah, this is going in my Hanks bank. Jesus. You're the worst. That sounds like it would have been good. Yeah, yeah, it would have. It would have. It was real funny. I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> so thanks for ruining that, Al. Sure, you don't want to just, just no, edit it no, right I here? don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd have to do the editing. So no, I'm not doing that. Is this episode going no. in your hangs bank? Good, great. Glad we've sorted that out. Oh, you are tiresome. So, to clarify, we now have two things in uh, our collective Hanks Banks. We have He Knows You're Alone in your Hanks Bank. We have in my Hanks Bank the fantastic Season 10, Episode 5 of Happy Days. Do we know if it is actually Season 10? Yeah, yeah, no, I Googled it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I think that brings us to a close because I I need a cold shower or something. Yeah, if you can uh, imagine the look in Jamie's eyes that is somewhere between uh, blind fury and slow calculation of how he's going to throttle me without my girlfriend upstairs realising that I'm dead. Um, that is the look. The only Weird way flex, I, okay. I, I think I could uh, make Jamie angrier is if I were to look him in the eyes right now and go, Jamie... What would Tom no! episode do? No, we're not doing that stupid segment. For those of you that didn't listen last week, we had a segment called, uh, and you will never hear it again, called What Would Tom Hanks Do? It was thrown upon me with no imagine, preparation. Imagine that Tom Hanks in this episode 
was thrown no, are you actually... into Brexit negotiations. <laughs> no. How would he solve the problem, Jamie? No. No. He would go, No. Hi-ya! <laughs> Hi-ya! Theresa May. What? Hi-ya, Jürgen Klopp. Jürgen Klopp is not <laughs> the guy who's in charge of the EU, but I imagine he could be. Um, this... And he would go, Hi-ya! To Jeremy Corbyn, because we don't like him because of anti This segment was not successful last time. We're going to commit. Um, no. There's a thing called committal, Jamie. Sometimes... <laughs> no, there isn't a thing called committal, because well, that's not a word. Committal is a word, but it's when you are, like, committed to a place. Um, <laughs> so it's when you I are, like, you mean, sent into an institution. I believe you mean commitment. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to Google before oh, we leave no, you. no, we're not. We oh, my God. Okay. Okay, right. You can follow us at Hank's Bank Pod on Twitter. Please like, f- subscribe, favourite, whatever you can do on iTunes or whatever it's called these days, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify and all the other stuff tell your friends about us uh you can follow me at jamie p Loxon. you can follow al at al underscore c's underscore stuff which we haven't said before because i didn't realize that your twitter name wasn't al c's stuff no it's al underscore c's underscore stuff i know that because i I accidentally tagged another dude called al c's stuff in our twitter recently um Um, a big thanks to ollie savage for doing our theme tune you'll uh hear a bit on the way out and And, uh, uh one second just before we leave Committal. Now, yeah. one, the action of sending a person to prison or a psychiatric hospital. Mm. Two, the burial of a dead body. So, Jamie, maybe when you come to a gunfight, you shouldn't bring words against a guy with an English degree. Is all I'm saying. Because there's just been a murder and I killed you. Thank you. And good night. No, 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 no. It was still not the word you wanted to use and Thank you still had to look it up to define it. Good night. Hands back.